podcast about the overlooked, forgotten, and underground tales of San Francisco. This is Sorted SF. And welcome back to season two, episode two of Sorted SF. I'm so happy you're here, and it gives me so much joy to be back doing these recordings. This was a special episode in front of the crackling fire, so if you hear some popping in the background, it's the fire. Uh, it's a shockingly low 47 degrees, which I know is not that cold, but it's foggy too. So we've got that, you know, marine layer, whatever, it's not that cold, but still fire weather. Uh, I wanted to just first, before I forget, I wanted to share an amazing book I've been reading called The Murders That Made Us by Bob Calhoun. And it's a just incredible read about kind of all the big dramas and murders that have shook the Bay Area. Uh, something he touches on, actually, that really made me laugh is his rumination on how everyone who lives in San Francisco today, like or like natives or whatever, just misses the old San Francisco and how we all just missed it. You know, like everything was better 10 years ago. And like, even in Hitchcock's Vertigo, which happened or premiered in 1958, in one of the opening scenes, one of the characters states that San Francisco is no longer, like it no longer has the things that once made it great. So it's always been this way and it probably always will be this way. Just everyone desperately trying to hold on to what we deem as real or authentic, which I guess is human nature. But it makes sense because change can be scary. And, uh, you know, time doesn't wait. We got to be sure to take the action we the action we want to create the future we need. Uh, so anyway, today I want to tell you the story about the Mountain Lake Monster. Our source material for this episode is Wikipedia, SF Gate, The Washington Post, and the SF Chronicle. A little background for those who don't know, Mountain Lake Park is a 14-acre San Francisco park in the Richmond District. Uh, it's located on the intersection of Lake and Funston. It was designed by engineer William Hammond Hall, who also designed Golden Gate Park. Uh, Spanish explorer Juan Batista de Anza ended his second northward expedition at the lake, stopping for two days in 1776. While here, he located a site for the Spanish Presidio, which we all know that was built after, and that's the Presidio National Park that we know. So the actual lake is four acres, which seems way big. And I was realizing that until recently, most of the time I had ever seen the lake had been when it's dark out. So whenever I go now as an adult, I'm impressed by how large it is and just like what a beautiful family park it is. Uh, Mountain Lake is actually one of the only remaining natural lakes in the city. So our story begins July 29th, 1996, with Jim Bushnell of the Richmond District. Jim was out walking around the park when he spotted an alligator. Obviously, there's not native alligators in San Francisco or even in California. So he was super surprised. And when he went home to tell his neighbors, none of them fucking believed him. 
only person who believed him was the local San Francisco Chronicle reporter, who we can assume was probably just humoring him at the time. The reporter was desperate for a story because the summer news cycle was super slow. Uh, So the reporter wrote up a little blurb a few days later, um, and lo and behold, a search team of SFPD, zoo officials, and National Park Service reps confirmed that there was, in fact, an alligator in Mountain Lake Park. Rumor had it, apparently, the alligator had been dumped uh, there by someone who no longer wanted it as a pet. Now the city needed to get this alligator out of Mountain Lake, so they called Florida. The Chronicle contacted a handful of Floridian alligator trappers asking how they could get this gator out of Mountain Lake. One of them, Jim, the gator man, Long, laughed at the city when he learned that we had tried to uh, capture the alligator with a salmon net. Trapper Jim told the city that he could get the gator in 15 minutes flat, so SF told him to come on down. Trapper Jim made it clear that he did not hunt alligators for free and charged around $300 per gator and is going to need his airfare covered as well, Uh, which genuinely seems like a great deal. Uh, But also he needed his wife to come because he didn't feel comfortable leaving her alone in Florida in case an alligator tried to attack her. So, you know, Florida. When rival newspaper, the SF Examiner, heard that they were going to send out Trapper Jim, the Examiner responded by sending their executive editor, Phil Bronstein, and reporter Dennis uh, Opentree in wetsuits to try and humanely capture the gator first. They had heard that Trapper Jim made his living by selling captured alligators for their hide and meat, and as the good California hippies they were, they couldn't have that. Obviously, the SF Examiner team couldn't catch the alligator, and Jim, the Gator Man Long, arrived in SF after a long day of flights. Even though he was tired, he wanted to get to work and asked for the one thing he needed in order to catch an alligator, a letter from local authorities saying it was all right for him to hunt the gator. Sounds simple enough, uh, but there was not any official alligator agency in California. They called the mayor at the time, Willie Brown, to ask if he could be the authority who allows it to happen. Um, After some negotiation, Willie Brown decided that Trapper Jim was an okay guy and granted him permission to catch the alligator. So the gang all headed to Mountain Lake to do an alligator night hunt and feelings were mixed. On one hand, the park rangers and zookeepers were stoked Trapper Jim was there to help Um, and give them backup and maybe actually catch the alligator. On the other hand, the rangers and zookeepers had been trying to catch the alligator for a week, and if this redneck Florida man caught it in 15 minutes like he said he could, they were going to be really embarrassed. Uh, Trapper Jim picked up on the vibe and made it clear to our sensitive San Franciscans that the gator was their catch, and he was only there to provide support. He didn't want to step on any toes. As soon as Trapper Jim showed up to Mount Lake Park, he was surrounded by microphones, cameras, lights, and everything it takes to give someone their 15 minutes of fame. It was so hyped up, and everyone turned out for the big hunt, except the alligator. I guess to catch an alligator, you shine bright lights in the water and hope the reflection of the alligator's red eyes reflect. The 15 minutes that Trapper Jim said he could catch the alligator passed, and then a half hour passed, 
Jim needed to step it up and gave a gator call. I did some Googling about what a gator call sounds like, and it's kind of like a cat or dog growl before they attack, like a... Uh, it didn't work. There was no response. The mountain lake alligator didn't come, and the hunt was over for the night. There was a lot of media fuss about Trapper Jim's laundry habits, strangely enough. After each hunt, he'd go to his hotel in Knob Hill and wash his jeans and then hang dry them. He's quoted as saying, I don't like my thighs too tight. Tight thighs are a distraction when gator hunting. Trapper Jim learned some unspoken rules of hippie San Francisco, so he knew not to use the H word. You have to say rescue mission instead. And no matter what, don't show the three-pronged gator hook. The next day, the zookeepers invited Trapper Jim to the zoo for a private, top-secret strategy session about the night's hunt. Obviously, word got out and the trapper was ambushed with more reporters desperate to get his gator call on tape. While at the zoo, he let it slip that he had never attended a Major League Baseball game. He didn't care about baseball and he had no interest in going to a baseball game. He was just stating it like, huh, yeah, I'd never been to a game before. Uh, But it wasn't long after this that a rumor started spreading that Trapper Jim had bailed on the zoo and the gator hunt so that he could go to a Giants game. The timing couldn't have been worse because while Jim was apparently at this Giants game, allegedly the alligator in Mountain Lake fucking appeared. News channels and papers loved it. Quote, Gator man goofs off at ball game, Mrs. Gator. Trapper Jim was obviously pissed because he hadn't gone to a baseball game. He just wasn't allowed to hunt alligators without supervision from the zookeepers. And the zookeepers couldn't be there until they were off work from the zoo at night. So it was a super unfair story. San Francisco was starting to rub him the wrong way, especially because of all the news stories. Some radio reporter kept asking him to do the gator calls. And he was really over people yelling, hey, gator man. And he really didn't like the belittling of the importance of the gator call, which he called a serious tool of his craft and not a cheap stunt to entertain kids and shit. Apparently, reporters kept quoting him saying he didn't like the newspaper story that quoted him saying y'all. And Trapper Jim really didn't like how much the media reported him as a killer who slaughtered alligators and sells them to restaurants to be, quote, dipped in honey mustard sauce. And it didn't stop there. With all the hype around Trapper Jim, the media wanted to get his wife in on the action, too. A radio reporter interviewed Mrs. Long and had her give her favorite fucking gator recipes, which is covering the alligator and breadcrumbs. Trapper Jim was realizing that he wasn't the hero he had set out to be and that a lot of the city considered him a cold-blooded animal killer. So nighttime came again, and by this time, the zookeepers had realized Trapper Jim's value to the hunt. One of the zookeepers apparently had even given him a hug. But this was still a big story, so all the onlookers and the lights and the noise made it really hard to sneak up on the alligator. Even two hours later, there was no sign of the gator. Trapper Jim decided to call it a night and go home. But he pulled a fast one, because instead of going home, he and the zookeeper got some pizza and then went back to Mountain Lake Park around midnight to search again. The media and the other noisy folk were out of the way now, so it was serious gator hunting time. 
Trapper Jim moved his searchlight back and forth at the banks of the eastern shore, and he made his creepy alligator grunts, but still no gator. The next day is day three, and everyone involved was friggin' pissed because they really wanted to have this like wrapped up, have gotten the gator by now. The TV crews were pissed that they got tricked the night before and the gator hunt went down without them. Trapper Jim was pissed that the news channels in Florida were picking up these stories and making him look bad and ruining his business back home in Florida. Uh, One of the afternoon papers, I guess there's like a thing where there's, you know, the morning big papers and there's an afternoon edition of like lesser papers. I don't know. Um, But so one of the afternoon papers was desperate for a scoop and kept trying to make something up. That afternoon of day three, one of the reporters interrupted an on-camera interview shouting shit at Trapper Jim, calling him a ruthless killer and trying to get the Trapper to take a swing. Trapper Jim didn't bite and stayed chill, but was really fucking ready to get out of the city and back to Florida because he was over the clown show. Luckily, the clouds cleared and the alligator came out to enjoy the sun. Trapper Jim spotted it, and with it all clear from the zookeepers, Jim grabbed his fishing pole with a scary hook and tried to sneak up on the shore. The alligator swam around a bit and was followed by a bunch of ducks who obviously didn't realize the true threat that they were under because the ducks obviously had never seen an alligator before. And so Trapper Jim got real close to the gator, but the gator was smart and stuck close to the reeds, making it almost impossible to target. The gator came within 40 yards, but because it was sticking so close to the reeds, it presented an almost impossible target. The moment had come, however. It was eyeball to eyeball, man against gator. Trapper Jim reared back and let fly a cast directly at the gator. The hook landed in the water just short and with the same presence of mind that has enabled it to survive since a Mesotoic era, the gator turned left and ducked out of sight. I've been dumped by gators before, said Trapper Jim. Wasn't the first time, won't be the last. The three-day mission to San Francisco was over. Hours later, Trapper Jim and his wife boarded their flight home. Shortly after his return to Florida, the trapper nabbed three huge gators. (laughs) The results were phoned west in an attempt to save some face, but for some reason, it would take a pundit or a journalism school dean to explain why. The bubble had burst and the fascination with transplanted Florida gator hunters had vanished. News of the gator, which had remained uncaught, was reduced to a few sentences inside the paper and the public's attention turned to some more important stories, such as a hero gorilla in Illinois. It was Trapper Jim himself on the way back to the airport in yet another clean pair of jeans who provided the most lucid analysis of whatever it all might have meant. San Francisco is the most beautiful city in the world, said Trapper Jim, fondling his gold alligator ring. I can't wait to go home, and I don't believe I will ever understand the newspaper business. So with Trapper Jim gone, the city was left to fend for itself. And uh, one day in early October, a couple of zookeepers tried to entice the animal to come out with a fishing pole and a bit of raw fish. And... You know, it was written by the Washington Post. Maybe it was boredom or a yearning to return to the spotlight. 
but whatever it was, the alligator bit and the zoom in pulled him in. They lodged him, they captured him and then brought him back to the zoo where he lived happily in a heated pond. Uh, Laura Persons, a zoo spokeswoman, said he was really quite comfortable. But the zoo wasn't set up to house an alligator long term and officials felt it best the animal land in the wild. So after a solemn farewell ceremony, the alligator was flown to New Orleans, where officials from the Audubon Zoo planned to release it at its private preserve. I'm going to miss this alligator, said Chronicle reporter Steve Rubenstein. I'm going to miss the overtime. (laughs) Which is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, I guess when the alligator was saying bye, rather the zoo was saying goodbye to the alligator, they gave him a send-off party and a cake at the zoo. So really love that for the alligator. Um, I'm not really sure how long alligators live, but they are prehistoric reptiles, I feel. So uh, probably thousands of years. No, I'm kidding. I know they don't live thousands of years, but they probably live a while. So maybe he's still alive. I really don't know. Um, I'm getting intel from my sound engineer that they live 30 to 50 years. So depending on how old that alligator was in 96, probably like at least a year and not more than a couple years, because if it was a pet that was dumped, like it can't have, you know, this alligator could still be super alive in Florida or in New Orleans, wherever it's at, as long as it hasn't been hunted. Uh, So yeah, that is a story of the mountain lake monster. I think it's pretty crazy how there was just a literal alligator just hanging out in the city. But I guess there's mountain lions and coyotes around here now too. So what's the difference really? One's just limited to water. But I mean, it also lives in land, but it sleeps in water. Um, Yeah. So again, thanks for listening. This has been such a treat. I love sharing these stories and I have so many more to share. I just can't even decide what to do next. Just kidding. I already have it written. I'd like to also promo myself uh, because I am San Francisco's latest premier DJ. um, And I have a, my first gig next Wednesday at F8. So that is the 28th of December. I'll be opening because it is my first gig. So I'll be there at 9 PM. Uh, it's on Folsom street. I don't know the actual address. Um, but I would love if you showed up and said, hi, um, it would really mean a lot. And if you don't, that's okay. Listen to my podcast. Either works. Just listen, listen to me. Um, anyway, thanks again for being here. Thanks for listening. And I will see you next week. I love you. Mm